Well, for a few weeks now we've been uh, looking at the book of Habakkuk, <clears throat> and uh, there he is, the uh, the prophet Habakkuk, uh, doing this. We recognise that now. We know what it means, don't we? Uh, we know that he's not stretching and uh, that he's not uh, climbing and uh, that he's uh, he's holding his hands up. I'm not sure if he's praising. He might hold his hands up in kind of uh, despair, but he's uh, he's doing something with his hands, and uh, we uh, we recognise that. Uh, we reckon we've said that he's a minor prophet, um, that he was a contemporary of Jeremiah around the 612 to 588 BC, um, that uh, whilst he's a minor prophet, he belongs to that group of minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament, uh, that he was somebody who was asking major questions uh, about who God was and who God is and what God was doing in the world. And uh, we've been... Uh, Travelling with Habakkuk on this journey of faith that Habakkuk's been on. And we've been able to journey with him. And uh, Habakkuk, we said, was a bit of a grumpy old man. And uh, some of us recognise that more than others. Uh, because we know from time to time we can be grumpy old men or grumpy old women. And uh, we've got to be honest, it's not very nice. Uh, but it happens and we experience it. Well, Habakkuk was a, a grumpy old man and he had complaints about God. And we looked at his first complaint, he said, you don't listen to me. And uh, he said, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen. He talked about the fact that God wasn't saving his people, uh, that God didn't seem to be uh, there for him. And uh, God's answer, uh, God eventually answers Habakkuk, and it wasn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear, because God said he was going to send these horrible Babylonians uh, in judgment over God's people, which it wasn't at all what Habakkuk wanted to hear. So Habakkuk knew what to do. Uh, he complained again. And uh, his second complaint was, uh, you cannot be serious. And we took that from the message. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever said that to God. Uh, but God is quite serious most of the time, and certainly in, in what he says. And uh, Habakkuk complains to God, and once again, uh, God answers and uh, we pick this out of God's answer as being really significant about the fact that the righteous live by faith, uh, not by what they see. That the righteous live by faith and not by what they see. So Habakkuk's been complaining for some while and uh, we've kind of journeyed with him with his complaints. And, uh, you know, we've carried those, I don't know about you, but I've carried those complaints around with me as, uh, as I've been going around. And, uh, and this week... Um, Something wonderful happens. Habakkuk has stopped complaining. I don't know about you, but I want to go, phew, great, thank goodness for that. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, when people complain? I don't know about you, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, when people start complaining about things, uh, especially when they're complaining about God. Uh, sometimes we get a bit uncomfortable, don't we? We don't like it. Well, he's, he's stopped complaining. Because uh, no one likes a complainer, does he? Nobody likes it when uh, people complain. Well, actually, it wasn't quite like that, and we know that's not the case, because uh, Habakkuk stops complaining uh, because he's been on this journey of faith. Because he's actually got out of his system um, the things that were troubling him. He's taken those things to God, and he's laid them at God's feet, and he's said, you know, this is my complaint. And uh, there's that great thing in, in chapter 2 when, when uh, you know, Habakkuk says, and now I'm going to wait and see what's happening, how you respond, God. And of course, God responds with those uh, words of faith. And uh, this week we join 
uh, Habakkuk um, in his prayer. And uh, the first thing that I notice about the prayer of Habakkuk, well we've already pointed out, is that he moves uh, from protest to prayer. He makes that movement from protest to prayer. And it's important to notice that. Because sometimes uh, some people are never able to escape from what it is that's upsetting them or they're complaining about or is troubling them. And they stay fixed with that. And of course that can cause uh, harm. It can cause people to be ill. People to get stressed and people become ill by the things that trouble them. And Habakkuk, I think, is a good example of somebody that is able to make that movement from the things that are troubling him, the things that are causing him heartache and pain, he's able to move from protest to prayer. And the book of Habakkuk gives us a good model, uh, you know, for dealing with, uh, with life's problems. Uh, first of all, he's honest with God. He doesn't come to God and, and pretend that everything's okay when it's not. He speaks his complaint to God. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, we can come into church and we can actually speak our complaints, not just about the minister, but about God as well. It's okay. It's okay to complain about the minister. uh, But it's okay to complain about God as well when things aren't going right. And Habakkuk gives us an example of that. But he also gives an example. He has a conversation with God. He talks to God with it about his problems. And he does something that we're not very good at. He waits for God to answer. Sometimes we're so busy... Uh, speaking, that we don't actually wait. And even if God did answer, we wouldn't hear it because we're so busy babbling on. I know, I bet you've had conversations with people uh, where you come away and you thought, that wasn't a conversation, that person just spoke at me. And I was like, I, I was trying to get in at first and then I just gave up and I thought, well, I'll just let the person rabbit on and I won't speak. And you go away frustrated. And I wonder sometimes how, if that's God, how God feels about us. We cry out to him and we give him all our problems and then we walk away. And God's, I feel like God's going to say, I was just going to help you. <laughs> and, and, we, and we walk away. Uh, Habakkuk gives us an example of that he speaks to God, he complains, but he waits and he listens for God's answer. And then he responds on what God says. However awful that might be, and it was pretty awful, God's response. It wasn't a very nice response. Remember, God's response was, you know, uh, you haven't seen anything yet. Wait till the Babylonians arrive. If you think things are bad now, you just wait till the Babylonians arrive and it'll get a lot worse. It wasn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear. But Habakkuk is able to move from protest to prayer. He's able to get to that position in his life where he's, he's, he's comfortable to actually listen to God. But he doesn't just move from protest to prayer. He moves from sighing to singing. You know, I I read somewhere, it's actually good to let your emotions out. This is is perhaps for the men, because us men, we're not always very good. Women are great at letting the emotions out, aren't they? You know what I mean? Uh, They really, it's just just the way women are, they let the emotions out. You know, if if they cross, you know, they don't hide it, do they? Uh, They let you know. Uh, you know, if they're angry about something, that anger comes out. But men, we tend to we, we tend to keep things down. We don't like to show our emotions, do we? Uh, but uh, sighing, it's okay to sigh. You know, let's all have a big sigh. Let's all go. <sighs> go on, I can't, I can't hear you. Come on. <sighs> Feel better for that? Yeah, got our sigh out. You know. Uh, well, Habakkuk makes that movement. You know, from sighing to singing. 
Did you notice that word that, uh, do you know what, I got you to read that passage because I thought, you know, why should I struggle with some of these difficult words? Let's let you see just how it is. And did you notice that one little word that we kind of all went to sure? <laughs> did you notice that word? Now, that's not a word I use every day. I don't know about you. I don't wake up in the morning and go, off. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce And Someone will come up to me after some show and say, actually, Richard, you didn't pronounce that word right. It should be pronounced, off. But anyway, it's not a word that I use very often. And I was intrigued and I thought, what's that all about? And uh, when I looked in my footnote, it's sometimes worth actually looking in the footnote. If you notice in the Bible, sometimes they have a little letter next to it. And there's an actual footnote. You need to get your glasses out and read it. And it actually says that it was, my footnote for that word says it was probably a literary or musical term. And did you notice at the end of the psalm, <clears throat> it said, for the director of music on stringed instruments. Did you notice that? You think, what's that all about? Well, it seems to me that this was a, a prayer that was perhaps used in worship. Maybe they even sang to it and did all sorts of actions to it, I don't know. But it was obviously some sort of uh, uh, musical term. And in fact, in the, um, in the uh, International Bible, because this caught my attention, I looked it up. And uh, this is what a guy called uh, A.G. Nutt, uh, strange name, but it's true. A.G. Nutt says this, Shigirov is believed to refer to the wild beat of the song, its tempo, corresponding to the profound emotions it describes and is likely to engender. And uh, as we've been looking through the book of Habakkuk, we've, we've recognised that there's a certain beat to it, haven't we? Uh, the first week we played that uh, great song uh, video from the Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love? And we, we recognised that it was at the same tempo, that they were dancing about and sticking question marks everywhere, saying, you know, what's going on, God? Uh, why is all this bad stuff in the world? And uh, then last week, um, we had uh, an appearance from that great guy called uh, Tim Vine, and he sang that uh, lovely song called Alarm Bells. <laughs> and, you know, and we said in chapter 2, there's kind of alarm bells going off because God's saying that he's going to send the Babylonians uh, to be in judgment on the people of God. And that set alarm bells off in, uh, in Habakkuk's life. And I said it should set alarm bells off in our lives as well. Now don't worry, we have got a song this week, because I know you're disappointed, but we're going to save it to the end. We've got a song. And you'll like it, because it's a little bit more religious than the other two songs, so you'll like it, uh, maybe. Um, but we recognised um, that there was a certain beat, a certain tempo, uh, in the book of Habakkuk. And that Habakkuk's able to go from, <clears throat> from sighing, uh, to singing. But it also reminds us, you know, that in our worship, uh, we like singing, don't we? Most of us. Most of us like singing. Um, but we, do we really leave room in our worship for sighing? Do we actually make space in our worship for people to actually sigh? You know, or are we all expected to come through those doors and the moment we walk through those doors we can just leave all our problems and all our worries and we can praise God and then we pick them all up and we go out again with those same problems. Or do we make space in our worship for people to actually sigh? I came across a, an interesting article on the, uh, on the internet uh, in Leadership Journal. Uh, a guy called Shane Hips uh, was writing about praise that's premature. And... Uh, he, he says this, um, he suggests that when we worship, it's just celebra- if it's just celebration, it becomes a kind of 
pep rally to inspire excitement about who God is because grief is an unpleasant emotion. We tend to deny our sufferings in favour of celebration. And so this authenticity and integrity in worship means expressing both lament and praise. Each element complements the other. Without lament, praise is little more than shallow sentimentality and a denial of life's struggles and sin. Without praise, lament is a denial of the hope and grace, both of which are central to our life of faith. And Hip points out that in many of the Psalms and in books like Habakkuk, there's a narrative arc, a movement from grief and lamentation to celebration and joy. And sometimes we don't allow people to go on that journey. We just expect people to go straight into praise as if everything was okay. And Habakkuk reminds us uh, that there is a place in worship uh, for sighing as well as singing. But we do want to make that journey. We don't want to come in sighing and fed up with everything and to go out still as fed up with everything. Uh, We do want people to make that movement. And we do want there to be change in people's lives. And so... Uh, Habakkuk is able to go from uh, from sighing uh, to singing. But he also goes from uh, complaining, we mentioned that he stopped complaining, to contemplating. And we see this in the, in the kind of main section of chapter 3, when he starts to recall uh, some of the great things that God has, has done in the past. And of course, for the people of God, for Israel, the greatest act in the history of God up to that moment of course, was when God freed his people from the Egyptians, when he freed them from slavery. And what Habakkuk does is, by looking back, he reminds himself that actually, God has acted in the past, and God has saved his people. Maybe, just maybe, God can be trusted to act again in the present and in the future. And it's good sometimes to actually, uh, not just to complain, but actually to stop and think what we're complaining about. Because anyone can complain, you know, say it's too hot or it's too cold or the music's too loud or it's too quiet or it's too long or it's not long enough. We could all complain. Uh, but it's good sometimes just to stop and think, what is it actually complaining about? Habakkuk was complaining that God wasn't acting, that he wasn't listening. But when he starts to think back about the history of his people and the history of God's dealing, he starts to think, well, actually, God has acted in the past. God has acted and he's actually saved his people. And of course... As Christians, we can go one better than Habakkuk because we don't only have to look back on, on, the, uh, on, on, on God saving the people of Israel. We can look back to Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross. And we can see that, you know, God has sent somebody to save us. And he's done it. And sometimes, you know, just reminding ourselves of what God has done in the past can equip us for the present and to face the future. To remind that God can be relied on. That God has acted. That God does love us and care for us. Despite our immediate circumstances, whatever they may be. And so Habakkuk, he, he moves from protest to prayer. From protest to prayer. He moves from, uh, from sighing to singing. He moves from uh, complaining to, uh, to contemplating. And then he moves from, uh, from worrying to worshipping. From worrying to worshipping. Anybody here ever worry? You ever worry about things? Ever allow things to kind of mull over in your mind? And uh, you know, if you know how to worry, uh, you actually know how to pray. Because the two things are actually very similar. 
the difference is when you're worrying about something, you just keep it to yourself and you keep going over and over and over and over. And, uh, and you worry about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. Uh, when you pray, you actually think about the same things, but you give them to God. And you offer them to God and you say, these are the things that are on my heart and on my mind at the moment, God. And you still speak them, but you speak them in a different way. Because you're actually telling God about your concerns. And you're offering them to him. And in this final section of uh, Habakkuk's prayer, uh, what Habakkuk does is he he reminds us actually of the importance of uh, religious experience. Ooh, sounds a bit kind of, uh, you know... It's strange, isn't it? A religious experience. Uh, but most of us here have actually had a religious experience um, because we've experienced God in our lives. Uh, sometimes it amazes me, you know, in church, uh, we sometimes, uh, we were thinking, we were singing with the kids, weren't that great song that I know you all loved and going to be singing all week, about how big our God is. And, you know, so often in church we make, we, we, we make God quite small. And uh, we forget who God is. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Habakkuk, he tells us something about his, his religious experience. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. And, uh, and my lips quivered at the sound decay crept into my, uh, my bones and my legs trembled. Uh, some of us know about that decay in our legs. Uh, but do we know about our hearts pounding and our lips quivering and being shaken by the God who is almighty? And... Uh, Habakkuk is speaking about a religious experience that kind of goes beyond uh, his understanding because he experiences God speaking directly to him. Now some of you here will know what that's about. You know when God's speaking to you. Because your heart does start to beat, doesn't it? And you think, gosh, God is actually speaking to me. And there's a kind of a wow and an amazement that the God who created the heavens and the earth is actually speaking to me. And it does make you kind of want to shake. And uh, sometimes you, some of you will be in meetings where people do shake and fall over and all sorts of things. And it's not that we're kind of saying, you know, this is what we need to look for, the religious experience. But we're just recognising that these things happen. And sometimes God does shake us. Sometimes God does speak to us in such a way that it does just knock us off our feet. Because uh, God is God. And he's a big God. And uh, here, as Habakkuk moves from uh, worrying to worshipping, uh, he experiences uh, God speaking to him in a, in, a, in, a, in a real way. It isn't that, uh, you know, he um, doesn't just take a blind leap of faith. He doesn't just forget everything that's happening because his, his circumstances haven't changed. And... Uh, in his book, uh, Faith and Doubt, John Otterberg says this, The idea of a leap of faith has frequently been misunderstood. It doesn't mean choosing to believe in an impossible thing for no good reason. Sometimes people talk about the leap in which you ignore the evidence, give up on reason, and embrace fantasy. The leap of faith is a leap because it involves total commitment. It can be made for reasons, reasons which have been carefully considered, but nevertheless a leap because we commit in spite of our fears and doubts. For is no, there is no other way to soar, no other way to fly. You see, Habakkuk offers this prayer of praise, um, but nothing's changed. The Babylonians are still coming in judgment upon them. And there's a, there's a great thing that happens in, in, this, in this prayer when he talks about, in fact he says, doesn't he, in verse 17, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, 
and there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You see, he's saying life is absolutely terrible. Nothing is going right. And yet, I will still rejoice in the Lord. Now this is that faith that God was speaking to him about in chapter 2, actually Habakkuk living it out. Because he's not basing his faith on what he can see around him. He's basing his faith in the God that he believes in. The God that doesn't appear to be there and be on his side at this particular moment in time. But this is where he's going to base his faith. And this is where he's going to rejoice. I love the way the uh, the message version of the Bible uh, puts this next bit. He says, I'm singing joyfully, praises to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my saviour God. Counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. That's how the message version puts it. And where do these feelings come from? Well, not by his present circumstances and situations. These feelings of joy come from his relationship with God. The fact that God is still with him. The fact that God is still speaking to him. Do you remember when uh, when Jesus was uh, preaching his great uh, sermon on the mount? And uh, at the beginning of that, he actually talks about those people who are happy. The good news puts it. Uh, the NIV talks about those who are blessed. And he goes through a whole list of people in chapter 5 who Jesus considers to be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteous. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And he finishes by saying, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. And you see what Jesus done? He hasn't described a group of people that, by the world's standard, ought to be rejoicing and be glad. But why can these people be rejoicing and glad? Because in God's eyes, these people are blessed. Because they're in that relationship with him. And so it isn't a, a joy that's kind of just a, you know, a silly joy, of, you know, a, a joy that's just kind of puffed up out of nowhere. The joy that Habakkuk experiences and the joy that the people of, of God can experience is that joy of knowing uh, that God is with us, that God is for us. Um, Paul, in uh, that's what I just said, his rejoicing is not grounded in circumstances but in his relationship with God. But uh, in, uh, in Romans chapter 5, Paul speaks of a similar thing. He says this, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You know, um, we can rejoice. 
we can rejoice in the fact um, that God is with us. Life doesn't have to be great for us to rejoice in God. Life can be absolutely terrible and we can still rejoice in knowing God because God is with us in those circumstances. And the book of Habakkuk shows us, you know, how we can turn our sorrows uh, into joy.